You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, a credential reporter and the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. The Heat are a mess. LeBron James is getting heckled by Miami socialites, and an all-star game is inexplicably on the horizon. And to help me break it all down is the one and only Rowan Notkarney of Sports Illustrated. How are you doing, my man? I'm good, David. How are you? <laughs> Ironically, I'm, I'm doing my best hanging in there. Not, not really feeling this team uh, too much, but we'll get into that a little bit later on the show. But I did want to give you an opportunity because there are some big things going on over at SI.com. And I want to give you a chance to explain the new premium service that's available there. Wow. I didn't know I was going to, I didn't know I was, this was a promo tour. Look at you go. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, as of today, uh, SI is going to be uh, a metered website. That's what we call it in the industry. What does that mean for our loyal readers? That means we're moving to a paywall. Um, I, I think you get five free articles a month. Uh, from there it's $1 for the first month. And then I think it's, uh, $5.99, uh, per month. I think if you're a fan of SI, I would highly, highly, highly recommend, uh, you look into the magazine plus online subscription package. It's, uh, $70. And for a whole year, you get 16 issues of SI plus unlimited access to the website. Um, I know some people are like, Hey, what's going on? Why are you guys, uh, you know, moving to this all of a sudden, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, it's, it's hard for every industry right now, as people can imagine, uh, yeah. you know, we haven't been immune to the pandemic, but more than anything, you know, I think SI, we want to pay writers, good salaries. We want to have money to do good stories. I want to do more Jimmy Butler profiles yes. and Anthony Davis stories. And, you know, in order for stuff like that to happen, uh, you know, we need this, but I, I think that our entire staff is, is going to work really, really hard to make sure, uh, it's worth it for everyone who signs up. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Like, and, you know, I, I get the complaint every once in a while about even my own show, small as it is about advertisements and things that sort. And I get it. I, I understand that it's not exactly what you want to hear as a fan and, and somebody who just wants to listen about pure basketball takes overall. But when you look at the face of journalism, you need to be able to generate income somehow. So either you're complaining about having to click through a listicle or deal with ads or having to pay for a, a subscription service, but either way, somebody winds up having to pay in the end. And if not, it's the journalists and the quality of journalism. And that's one thing you'll always get at SI.com, especially when the guys like Rowan are there, Michael Pina, Howard Beck, uh, Chris Mannix to some degree, even though he's mostly about boxing that lately, but uh, you know, the great writers, a great team of, of journalists over there and support them in any way you can. Appreciate that, man. Thank yeah, you so much. Of course. Unfortunately, there's nothing premium about the Miami heat of late. Uh, <laughs> nothing Great. <laughs> Great transition, by the way. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, I was working on that one all night. <laughs> I, I was mentioning to you beforehand, I don't really feel prepared for this podcast, despite the, the quality of guests that I have on today's show. But I just kind of want to hash my way through it because I don't know how else to approach this team in the season. I, I'm stuck between watching the actual basketball product and questioning why they're playing as badly as they are. The the understanding and awareness that they've had so many issues regarding injuries and COVID and everything else. And at the same time, I'm just, I'm also kind of just bummed out watching them play. They're not very good. And, and I have to question how worried I am about this team. Cause I keep trying to fight the reality that maybe they're just not very good. And I'm curious how you are as far as where you're watching this team and, and what you kind of get as, as a sense of where this team is and, and what hope they might have of actually reaching the playoffs. I'm still watching the games uh, quite frequently. Uh, it still brings me a level of comfort. I, I think flipping on a heat game, especially these days. I, yeah, I get it. This is obviously a weird season. It's it's hard to give a very strong take here when you understand that there have been injury issues and health issues and everything that's going on with what they've had to deal with in terms of the health and safety protocols, which is a very, very nice euphemism for the COVID-19 pandemic. Whoever came up with that uh, at the NBA uh, should get a big raise. I'm not as doom and gloom about them for two reasons. Um, one, I think that the front office realizes that they need to make a big move. I don't think that they are 
ignoring that. I, I think that they, they recognize that something needs to be done here. I, I do think that they'll adjust the roster, which we can get into what they need exactly. Sued and number two, uh, last night's loss against the Hornets was inexcusable. They had to have that game. They have a few games here on this homestand. I think they have uh, two against uh, the Wizards f- coming up on yeah. Wednesday and Friday. You know, they have an opportunity to make up some games. Uh, it's going to take focus. It's going to take health. You know, they win that Hornets game if one of Dragic, Hero, or Bradley has a not even okay. a great night yeah. shooting, an average night shooting, you know? Right. So I'm not as doom and gloom about them, but, you know, as presently constructed, you know, if they somehow made it to the playoffs with this current group, they're not getting out of the first round. Yeah, that was your take on Twitter yesterday. I told you, save it, you know, save it for the show. But I mean, it's. I mean, there's no way you could put them ahead of the Celtics, Sixers, Bucks, or Nets right now. You couldn't. No. And, and I think, you know, one of the things that I've been counting on, and we talked about this, I think the last time you were on the show, or maybe even before that, before the actual start of the season, kind of looking ahead to the probability of a bubble being placed for the, the, postseason and whether or not Miami would find a way to thrive in it the way they did last year. And, you know, that's who, who knows at this point, you know, that seems so far ahead with the season kind of limping along every day. Uh, I just don't know whether or not we're actually going to even reach the postseason. Although according to the NBA, everything's fine. And we're going to just continue to push our way through it. But you, you look at this heat team and yeah, changes need to be made, but I mean, there are questions about how good they are. I, I, I just, you mentioned the, the the schedule up ahead, and yes, they've got the two games against the Wizards. I don't trust that Miami can knock out the Wizards. Yeah, they're a bad team, but you know, Garrison Matthews is going to come light us up for thirty points. Bradley <laughs> no, Beal, I mean, the Heat are a bad team too. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how 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 winnable are are the next games? And then they from there they go on a seven game road trip. They go to Madison Square Garden and take on the Knicks that are surprisingly good, especially defensively. I mean, Miami has some issues. They have to go to Los Angeles to take on the Clippers and the, the Lakers. They've got 11 games left in the schedule. I could see them going four and seven. And if that's the case, you're looking at an 11 and 20 stretch for Miami to start off the season through February. Not great. This is, this is really where they have to prove it, right? Because if this team, I wouldn't say they're out of excuses, but now is, now is their chance to show like, okay, we have a relatively full slate of people here. You know, Jimmy is back. Goran played last night. Bradley played last night. Hero is playing. Bam is playing. Duncan is there. That's it. Those are the guys they need. If, if those guys are playing and they're not able to rebound from this stretch, I agree. Like they are in danger uh, of missing the playoffs. And I, this, th- that stretch you're talking about, whether they go four and seven or seven, four, like that, this is the make or break. This is really the make or break. And, and, this is kind of the stretch I've been waiting for. And in my mind, when I looked at the schedule, I said, okay, if they can go on a little bit of a run here, or at least get their heads to water a little bit, maybe get to 500, then I'm, I'm willing to give this team a chance. So I, I'm interested how they go, but I'm with you. These aren't, these aren't games in the past where we're like, these are layups. They're definitely right. winning X, Y, Z. It's no, 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 no. This is their stretch where they actually have to prove it. Yeah, I, I mean, yes, you're absolutely spot on there. And and I, I think along long, everybody in the Heat Nation is kind of looking to a potential move as, as far as being able to right the ship and everything like that. I just, I'm not quite so sure. Oh, wow. My, Miami Heat center Myers Leonard will undergo season-ending shoulder surgery. Uh, Sham Sharania reporting that first, even as we're recording this right now. Unbelievable. How about that? The breaking, breaking news into the, the locked-on pod. Yeah, uh, not great. Uh, I know he's going to get a lot of negativity his way because he signed a pretty big deal. And uh, I mean, I guess his future is in doubt, not just in the league, but I, I can't I can't imagine Miami being able to apply for a, a hardship of some kind. Yeah, I, although he's only played a handful of games and, and the expectation wasn't that he was going to be a, a major rotation piece moving forward. But considering where he is at the season, can they apply for some kind of injury hardship and maybe get a little tax break here and there? I believe they can. I don't, I don't know what would stop them. I, I don't know those exact rules. So I'm really just absolutely gas bagging right now, but okay. I, in I don't, I don't know of a mechanism that would uh, stop them from doing that. I think they would be still be allowed to apply for an exception. I thought there was something about 
the the point in the season in which the injury occurs, you know, if it's like late in the season, it doesn't really matter anyway. You you can't get a kind of exception that you might be looking for. And I, though I don't even know who Miami would use to fill in that gap there if they're able to get uh, uh, some salary cap space to bring in another um, player. The, the real bummer is if I think are they still going to be able to trade Myers at some point if they want to because he's got a you know an expiring deal. Mm. at 9 million that could be worked into a trade I, that would be i think more so than an exception uh the fear uh for the heat is can they still try to package him if they need to package him at some point doesn't he have a, a no trade clause in his contract he might i don't think he has one written in he might have like a functional one that sometimes happens with certain deals but my assumption would be that he is has a good enough relationship with the organization that I, I think that they would be able to figure that out but again i don't i can't say that for a fact no this is yeah this is not great uh, and i know again a lot of people are going to focus on the on the the amount of money he's making this year and i know it comes off the books because next season is a, a team option so he probably was not going to be brought back to the organization at some point but and and of course First and foremost, we should all be looking at Myers and hoping for a speedy recovery from him. Of we course. know he's going to put in the work, and uh, hopefully he'll bounce back. It probably won't be with Miami, but we'll see what happens to him down the road. Now, as far as the Heat are concerned, just where is the area that you think they are most lacking? Is it on-court production, offense, defense? Because to me, uh, I think one of the things that I keep getting – out of Eric Spolstra and his press conferences and just kind of watching the team is a certain lack of identity. And of course I know Jimmy Butler helps to find that to a large degree, but even in last night's game with, with Jimmy in the lineup, you see some issues there. And, and prior to that, without Jimmy, I wonder whether or not they might have like a, a leadership problem or if they're relying on Jimmy too much to a certain degree and they're not quite sure how to function without him. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to, to quantify, but that's just my sense when I watch this team. Do you, do you get that as well? Is it the intangibles or is it the on-court issues that you think are, are most pressing for the heat? I think it's really their on-court issues. I think it's the, the defense. I mean, you know, you saw the way the Hornets lit them up last night. Malik Monk went off. They had no answer for Devontae Graham down the stretch. Yeah. This was, if you remember before the bubble, which was such a long time ago, the Heat were kind of scuffling after their hot yeah. start to the season. Uh, you yeah. know, that lineup with Myers Lunn and Myers Lunn, uh, Myers Leonard and Kendrick Nunn in it, I, I don't think was. That's a great, that's a great amalgamation there, right? Of, of yeah. both them. Myers Lund. It's the two players yeah. that can't play defense and are out there for reasons that we can't it, understand. And it was, it just never made sense how good that group was. And granted, I mean, they started, but they didn't necessarily finish with that group, but you know, that team was scuffling a bit and, and it's crazy because it's not like Jay Crowder individually is such a great player. And he's actually been benched in Phoenix because they haven't been outstanding with him in the starting lineup, but he just unlocked so much of what the heat wanted to do uh, offensively and defensively. He just made so much sense slotting in as kind of the, of a four who is the size of a small forward, but could guard a position up or a position down. And I, I think the heat really miss that. They, they don't have a power forward right now. Uh, you know, so who can play that position? I, I think they thought it could have been Mo Harkless. He, he hasn't been the answer. He hasn't been very good. The starting lineup with Kelly Olynyk has been decent, but I, Olynyk hasn't really been closing games. They clearly don't trust him defensively. And it's just gotten to a point where I don't think that they can play a lineup that has enough good defenders on it. Uh, they can get Avery Bradley on the floor. Now, Bradley, interestingly, I think someone has good individual defensive reputation. Uh, the team numbers don't always back up that reputation. And then beyond that, he's kind of limited with what he can do because of his size. I mean, he's only right. going to guard uh, smaller players, ones and twos. So I really think that's their biggest issue. They need to find a four. They need, And I think that is going to – you know, it sounds crazy, but if you bring in like another Jay Crowder type, I think then they would become – I think we'd have a, a better sense of how to evaluate them as well. I, I think right now, though, they just can't play defense. 
So the name I, I know that you're going to bring up, as most people <laughs> do, P.J. Tucker, uh, when we when I was trying to, to poll certain uh, writers and journalists uh, who covered the team and whether or not their feelings were uh, as far as what kind of improvements they could make, I think everybody mentioned P.J. Tucker. Are you still on the Tucker bandwagon? Y- yes, it's insofar as I'm I'm on the the trade bandwagon. Yes. Um, it would be great if it was P.J. Tucker, I you know, just a veteran, I someone with playoff experience. Uh, I just like those kinds of guys. Uh, I, I haven't really looked around the league. And I, the thing is, it's everyone wants these types of players, right? Sure. Who's actively trading them right now? Uh, the Rockets have actually been decent since the James Harden trade. Uh, if they trade P- Tucker, it's because he really wants to get out of there. So I don't, I don't think it's that s- simple as just go and get someone because those guys aren't necessarily readily available, but yes, I would, I would love if it was PJ Tucker only because I think that he's like an obvious target and the Rockets, I, I don't think, you know, would, they'd love a first round pick for him, but I mean, they don't have a ton of options and, and they need someone. Is that, Oh, you, are, are you saying the heat needs someone that badly? Do you think they would be willing to yeah. sacrifice a first round pick for PJ Tucker? I kind of think they would. Right. I, I mean, what was the organization saying before the season? Like, we don't want to waste a year of Jimmy, right? Like they, their free agency led us to believe that they were, you know, keeping the Giannis chase open, which makes sense. And that was probably why Crowder didn't come back because I, I believe he got three years yes. from Phoenix, you know, and, but Spolster keeps saying we don't want to waste a year uh, of Jimmy. And I think that's the right approach. I don't think they can afford to. Right. So if a first is what it takes, who knows how long this, this window with Butler is going to be open. Uh, I, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world. Well, there's other names out there, I guess. Uh, actually, Locked On Cavs host Chris Manning suggested to me that perhaps Torian Prince would be somebody that might fit in with Miami. And he's a little smaller than Crowder, um, probably not as adept defensively. He can stretch the floor to some degree. He, he's actually been shooting very well in Cleveland on limited attempts there. But I, I wonder, do you have a feeling that maybe Prince might be a nice stopgap there? I, I I don't know. I like the Prince idea, if only because I, you know, he's a little younger. Uh, he's someone who I think could stay with the team for a little while. Are you okay, uh, or are you in any danger right now? I am okay. It, it, this is this is eerily close to my apartment, however. Okay, it sounds like they are, you know. Uh, true story. One night, my dog woke me up at four a.m. and I was like, "What's going on?" It turned out the apartment above me was on fire. Wow. Yes. That was great. That, that he earned extra treats that day. Yes, I'm sure. Big time. Big time. He slept through this scare, however. <laughs> Well, he knew uh, he knew there was no immediate danger. That's yes, that's a perfect pet yes. right there. You, you got yourself a good one. Absolutely. Well, let's hop back to Tori and Prince, but I do think he would be pretty good. I mean, he's not he's not necessarily a knockdown shooter. But was Jay Crowder ever a knockdown shooter? No. I think he could get good open looks in Miami. Uh, I I like just his style of player. Is he? If the Cavs made him available, that's an, another team that I think you could negotiate with. I, I'm be interested to hear Manning's perspective there because. I don't know why Cleveland would just want to dump him necessarily, but I, I think, yeah, I think he could absolutely be a solid pickup. I mean, he fits that mold, right. Uh, where it's like small forwardish height. You mentioned he's not quite as, I don't think he's as built out or maybe an inch or two shorter than Jay Crowder, but I, yeah. I think he could absolutely fit uh, that position. It's, it's a name I had not considered before. I'm sure there's other names out there that are probably more likely. Thad Young is another one that, a lot of people were kind of hoping might uh, be in Miami's radar. I haven't heard anything about that myself, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised. There's actually a proposed trade that I want to bring up in the next segment, but I also kind of wanted to ask you one quick question before we move on to that next segment. If there's a player that are you that you're most, maybe not so harshly as to say disappointed in, but let's say that you would have expected more from this season, who is it? Is it Tyler? Is it Duncan? Is it bound? Oh God! I don't even want to imagine your answer for this one. I bet it's still going to be Josh Richardson, uh, <laughs> who struggled a little bit in Dallas. I, I had high hopes for Richardson. I, I I went on several Dallas podcasts and said I thought Jay Rich <laughs> was going to unlock their title contention. I thought he was going to be a great fit there. Did you really? Did you I really? Did. Yeah, I, I kind did. of agree. I think he's been better since Porzingis got back, even though the team hasn't been better. 
I mean, he was um, miscast in Miami, miscast in Philadelphia. I'm a huge Jay Rich fan. Despite, me too. Me too. I would love him on this Heat team. Yes. I, I um. I don't know that I can put it on one player. It's it is funny. I I noticed Duncan Robinson was like missing a lot of open threes, like just anecdotally oh, yeah. from watching. He is shooting weirdly less on open threes, but I, I can't put this on Duncan. I there's no player that that I can put this on. It's been tough with guys in and out of the lineup. If anything, I I do think that listen, the defensive effort has not been great, but I don't think it's been bad. I think they just don't have great defenders on the team. And you know, I, I think that that's management's fault. I do think that in an ideal world, they'd be start, starting Goran Dragic, but I do think that there's something about, you know, Hero's a young guy. He wants to start. He made that clear. Um, you know, there's there's something that goes into that more than just let's play our five best guys. So there's no real one individual that I think I'm ready to say, okay, you know, if this person was playing better or whatever, they'd be in better shape. It's just are they good enough when fully healthy? We've only had a small sample size of it and it hasn't been great, but you know, I'm willing to give them 10 more games with the full group before I'm ready to, to throw water on all of it. Well, they may not have a lot of time to bounce back there. And the expectations are that, yeah, now that Jimmy's back in theory, if he stays healthy, that they'll be able to kind of figure out their roles, but Tyler's defensive issues are going to remain there. He's struggling offensively too, especially from three point range. And if that's the case, then you have to wonder he doesn't bring any other elite skill there uh, to the table. If he's struggling defensively and he's not shooting well from the perimeter, yes, he can shoot, you know, from the mid range at a high level, he's elite in that regard, but you know, is he a liability defensively to the degree where, you know, he, he kind of wipes out his offense. You can make the same case about Duncan, although I think he's improved defensively, but there are just still issues there. He had a bad stretch where he wasn't playing well. I'm kind of looking at Bam at a bio, which I know might sound ridiculous. Oh considering my goodness gracious. I, no, I, I listen, I, I, I don't think anybody's heard the show would question how much I appreciate Bam, but I also kind of looked at when I was asking you that leadership question, like he needs to do more in that regard, not just as a vocal presence on the floor, but he needs to be the kind of guy who's more aggressive. And that's just been the knock on him since he joined Miami. And I know he was playing behind Whiteside and everything else, but even dating back to an interview I did with Chris Bosch a couple of years ago, he was saying, look, as long as he gets that confidence, he'll be uh, the, the, you know, the, complete and total package offensively. And then we start to see glimpses of it against the Nets, and then he just tapers off after that. And I, I think he has to adjust a little bit now that Jimmy's back and still find a way to be aggressive because if he is that kind of player that we saw glimpses of against Brooklyn, then that takes this team to another level. And that's why I, he's capable of it. And I'm sure he puts that same pressure on himself, but I have those expectations for him. I know you're going to compare it to Jay Rich, Rich from all those years ago, but I, I think if you're that kind of player, you're that good, you should be able to play that well at, at a certain level. And I think you can still carry your team. But anyway, that's just my perspective. Uh, I still wanted to talk a little bit more. We're going to actually answer some listener questions in the next segment. You're listening to Locked on Heat. The holidays are finally behind us, which means it's time to catch up on some much-needed sleep. And even though getting a good night's sleep is much easier said than done, our good friends at CBDMD have exactly what you need to sleep harder. Uh, CBD MPM blends 500 milligrams of high-quality CBD with melatonin, valerian root, chamomile, and other sleep-promoting ingredients to create a powerful and effective sleep aid. And if you want to relax a little bit before bed, their new CBD bath salts fuse superior CBD with Epsom Deep uh, Dead Sea and Himalayan salts to turn any bath into a luxury experience and are available in lavender or eucalyptus scent, hmm, as well as a soothing nighttime blend with melatonin and calming herbs. Once again, that's CBDMD.com. Use the promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. I'm here with Rowan Nodkarniga, Sports Illustrated. We're talking a little bit about the heat, and I wanted to get into your listener questions. But first, Rowan, any expectations about the Super Bowl? I stopped watching football years ago, but I, I know you're a big fan. You still follow the league pretty closely. Good for you. I don't know if I'm a big fan. I, I got back into it this year. It was a rare year where the NBA wasn't going on, uh, you know, 
for a good chunk of the football season. So I just, you know, the Dolphins had two. I got back into it. Um, I I like the Super Bowl. I enjoy it. Uh, you know, I don't know that I have many thoughts. I just, it would be nice if Tom Brady didn't win. I'm tired of that dude. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't like him. That's really, that's really all I root for uh, is his professional uh failure really so that would be nice if that happened on preferably an embarrassing level so yeah i I, i'm with you there look i I also don't want to start to get too preachy although i think there's a faction of my listeners that already feel that way we everybody looked at thanksgiving and then christmas and the holidays as as far as uh you know being potential spreaders with the with the COVID 19 and i think the super bowl is right up there too it's you know unofficial holiday Mm -hmm. i wonder if people will realize that they should stay home and just order a freaking pizza and just stay there don't do too much don't go anywhere but the super bowl has always been about gathering together drinking some beers watching Listen, the game watching if the you commercials. stay home by yourself you get to eat more chicken wings by yourself don't overthink it people that's my plan that's a, a great point Rowan. i mean yeah. you would know I, I think you that's a great analysis there but anyway let's move <laughs> on to some questions there uh josh writes in still somehow not worried yet so he's on the positive end of the spectrum but what factors are the heat facing that allow these breakdowns meaning what happened against charlotte to happen how can the guys get their gritty hard-nosed basketball back or four full quarters? That is a really tough question to answer. I know, look, their defensive principles are skewed this way, where they just, they're going to give up a lot of threes. I made this point, uh, I brought this point up yesterday on Locked on NBA's national show. They are the, giving up the most three-pointers in the league. They're tied with, I think, New Orleans, who is not a particularly good team, despite Stan Van Gundy preaching defense above all else. They have their own issues that they have to deal with. But as far as Miami, they're giving up the most three-pointers by design, but they're also converting these at a high shot. Opponents are, that is. Uh, against uh, the Hornets, they gave up 41 three-pointers, and, and Malik Monk was able to get whatever looks he needed. Now, that maybe that's an aberration and a typically good performance from him. But I think that's still an issue, and I'm not sure if they have to tweak their defense somewhat so that they don't give up the same kind of threes or at least contest those shots a little bit more. Is there something that you notice from their three-point defense that maybe they could alter so that they could be more of the quality, gritty team that Josh is looking forward to watching? I'm not going to pretend I have an answer that Eric Swolster has not considered. Um, I, I, and I'm, I just think it comes down to right now they don't have – the right guys to play the lineups they want to. I I think that they're asking a lot of guys like Kelly, who I think is a little slow footed uh, for his position in the modern NBA uh, and Tyler and Duncan, who I think are giving good effort. Uh, And for what it's worth, I mean, they survived, you know, Tyler hero minutes in the NBA finals against LeBron James, same for Duncan Robinson. It's not like those guys can't contribute to a good defense, but I think that their biggest issue right now, it's, you know, a combo of personnel and, and who's been healthy when they just, they just don't have enough guys to, to put that combo on the floor. I, I hate to keep deferring everything to the next 10 games, but you know, how much of their defensive rating is skewed by what happened those two games in Philadelphia when they had yeah. eight guys or uh, oh, what happened against the Clippers when they were still missing uh, so much of the roster. So uh, it, it's just tough, but I, I, I'm with you. Uh, there's There's got to be something about their uh, disposition or, or whatever that they can improve. I just, I think that that has to come from Spo, and I'm sure he's tried everything at this point. He doesn't strike me as someone who doesn't, who is not solution oriented. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, I think that that personnel is really the problem. Yeah, and look, I want to tie it into this other question around those same lines from Jeff, who writes in, uh, they are really going to have to have a come-to-Jesus moment, Spo included, about their defensive principles that make it so easy for other teams to generate open threes. So uh, obviously we're talking about that. Yes, personnel works. I uh, will say, I will say, you know, the Bucks are a famous example of a team that yes. gives up a lot of threes. They protect the paint. They've had, you know, one of the best defenses in the NBA for a few years. But they so. have Brooke Lopez, and we do not. <laughs> that's true yes and, and they also have Giannis, and they can protect the paint in a way the heat cannot so uh it's it's not unheard of i i think for good defenses to give up so many threes but obviously the heat are doing it at a, a rate that's not sustainable so along uh well not exactly along the same lines webby writes in is john collins someone the heat should be targeting we need a four badly that can rebound and defend well john collins is not that at least not in the latter end he is more of a good scorer than a decent defender. So I think 
he would provide some something uh, maybe a little different, a little bit more athletic and explosive than Kelly Olenek. But as far as the defense is concerned, there are issues there. Now, I, th- I think the argument has been, at least from what I've seen, that Collins is younger. He's a South Florida native. Uh, there was interest in him from even when he was drafted. And they took uh, Adebayo instead. But he fits the same timeline as far as the development is concerned. You can bring in another younger player. But he's also looking to get paid. He's got an extension that, well, he can't get an extension, but he's looking to get paid following the season. I, I don't know. Do you have any takes on John Collins? I like John Collins a lot as a player, and I agree. I think he's a really good scorer, and I – I was surprised when Atlanta was bringing in so many guys and it looked like they were going to marginalize him a little bit, but he's still, still been a starter there. Uh, important part of what they're doing. I don't think he's the right fit for the heat. I agree. He's not, he's not fixing their, their main issue right now, which is uh, defensive versatility. This next one comes in from TZA Mac. He writes in, it's clear that this heat team needs a leader. When Jimmy was out, they needed Jimmy's fire. Now that he's back in the lineup, can we expect the heat to bounce back and be a top four seed in the East did the Heat have enough vocal, emotional leaders to keep them on track when Jimmy rests? That was kind of along the same lines of what I mentioned in that first segment. So TZA, I I have some issues. Rowan probably doesn't feel as strongly about them, but I just, you know, in those games when Jimmy was out, and that was a big stretch there, uh, especially when they had most of their complement of players back and available and you had monster performances from Bam, I still felt like there was an edge that was missing Look, I mean, you still saw. It would have been nice if they got one of those games. I agree. Yes, they didn't. They they didn't win any game that they shouldn't have. Which I know sounds silly, but like that's the sign of a of a resilient team, right? They steal a couple that they shouldn't have really won. Um, And I think that's what this Heat team is really missing. Uh, One thing I want to mention to our homie DZA: they're not getting a top four seed in the East. Doesn't matter if Jimmy Butler (laughs) is the best leader in the world. Uh, or, or Bam Adebayo takes some management classes. They're not getting a top four seed. So, <laughs> so let go of that dream. Yeah. Oh, they didn't even get it last year when they were uh, uh, arguably a much right. better team. So. <laughs> uh, DZ, you, you should be, you know, you should be looking at playing tickets, uh, you know, get, get ready for the COVID sniffing dogs, but. Hey, you know, I just wrote about those for Forbes. I don't know if you saw that, but. I uh, checked that out. That was, that was nice. That was interesting. I saw someone re- reply to you and you, you very calmly told him you're not a science expert. You can't answer his question. Um, but yes, uh, you know, DZ, let's let's talk about the play-in tournament before we talk about a top four seed, all right? Yeah, uh, look, I mean, they could, I, I just, even against the Hornets, when you have that great moment when Jimmy just says, give me the effing ball, and everybody's so psyched up, and it's like, yes, this is what we're missing. And then somehow they wind up falling apart anyway. So maybe it's not just an emotional boost. Maybe they just, maybe you're right that they actually just need to tweak their personnel pretty considerably because uh, I don't know. I, I was, that's why I think that loss felt particularly disappointing. At least that's from what I'm seeing from a lot of heat fans that they just, they were up against look, the Hornets are a better team this year than they have been in a long time. So it's not like it was an inferior opponent by any stretch. They have some great shooters there that I had concerns with even prior to the game. But that they were up, that they had Jimmy back, that he was providing this emotional boost, and somehow they wound up blowing it up anyway. I just uh, that was particularly jarring. Uh, but this next question comes in from Mark, who he sends in via email. How do you feel about a trade for Zach Levine and Thad Young? It's not happening, Mark. I like Thad Young. They're not getting Zach Levine though. Thad Young would be nice, but the Bulls, the Bulls want to make the playoffs. They're not just going to give up Thad Young. Why? Why are the Bulls trading Thad Young in this scenario, Zach? That's my question. Or Mark, rather. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that would be – it would be nice if they got Thad Young. I, I don't think that he's going to be easy to get, but uh, that would be nice. Zach Levine, that's not happening. Is it the money or is it uh, – do you think they want to build around Levine? Because I, I don't see that. I don't get that sense from the Bulls. I don't think he's their, their number one chip, but I don't think they're trying to dump him. I, I think that they – are you know at the end of the day he still has value they need somebody there who can score consistently so i don't think he's on the block i don't think that he's going to get moved anytime soon and i do think that they can there's going to be a smaller market team that's more desperate that can talk themselves into building around zach levine and give up more for him than the heat ever would for a player like that Last question comes in from Trish, who writes in, who has the most value as an asset? And if you had to part with one, who are you keeping, Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson? That is a really tough question. Especially that is he- a difficult question. I, 
So you have to imagine Duncan is going to get something like four years, 80 million in the summer, right? Like right around Joe Harris. And I don't know if you followed it lately, but uh, the folks over at the Miami heat beat crew are are really, they've been tearing Duncan a new one there. They are not big fans. You know, they, I guess see a lot of complaints coming out of them. Duncan is not the problem. You, the problem with Duncan is you can, you don't even, it's not even is his shot going in or out tonight. He is so important to their offense he is so important to what Jimmy Butler wants to do on offense or bam. I don't think you could play. I I know that Jimmy bam and Duncan, their numbers together have been a little down, but you know, last year, Jimmy and bam without Duncan were not good offensively. Mm -hmm. Um, That's because they didn't have the space of him on the floor. You know, I saw the thing with heroes you have to ask is if Duncan gets four years, 78 million, right? You have to imagine hero is going to get more money than that. If he you know, continues to project in that same trajectory, yeah. And if that's the case, will Hero ever be worth that amount of money, something close to a max? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. I know everyone's really high on Hero, and I like him. He's fun to watch. I, I thought the hype with Hero always got a little out of control, though. What do you think? I I was maybe part of the one steering that up a little bit because – I, I talked to his trainer down here, uh, Andrew Moran, who is, uh, well, he, he works with a lot of NBA guys and he worked with Tyler almost exclusively during the hiatus prior to the bubble. And then I got a chance to interview him and like he, he was just raving about his work ethic. We start to hear that from guys around the team and even and, and just coaches, but everybody behind the scenes just talking about Hero and his work ethic. And then he shows out in the bubble. And so during the off season, I was for, all aboard the hype train, uh, you know, pointing out that I think he's going to be a multi-time all-star and things of that sort and hasn't exactly worked out that way this season, but there have been challenges there. I still like his potential, his aggressiveness, his confidence, although that seems to be waning or perhaps taking a hit here and there. I don't know. I, I still think he's a really good player. I think he can improve defensively to the point where he's not as much of a liability as he has has been uh, he's a solid playmaker and can improve in that regard. We saw that leap in the bubble. He's still so young. I mean, there's so much potential there. No, with that's Duncan, a good point. You're selling me back on him. You're selling with, me back. <laughs> with Duncan, you you know what you're going to get. And yes, his impact currently is great. But can we still expect him to make that same impact four years from now? I mean, especially if he's getting paid nearly $20 million a year. Uh, to answer Trisha's question, I still think Hero is probably the better quote-unquote asset. I, I like D-Rob's current impact more uh, just because of all the things that you mentioned, uh, his gravity on offense. There's and something else. about – it also is just so situationally dependent. Yes. You know, Hero I think can be really good, but if you're building – a team around a superstar i think you'd rather have duncan than tyler only because he's going to make a little less money not need the ball as much like tyler needs to start right mm-hmm. um you know i think duncan does he because to... last year he didn't and he, he closed well, well that's what i'm saying i think he i think he made it clear that he needed to start this year so who gives you the higher ceiling individually? Those two, of those individually, two individually as a player, I think Hero is a higher ceiling. But I think on a on a great championship level team, you could talk yourself into Duncan somehow being more valuable in that situation than Tyler. Yeah, hey, that's a great point. Um, it's 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 really tough question. Thank you so much for sending Good. those in. Who sent that question in? Trish. Trish, that's one of the best questions we ever gotten on the show. And I wish we could have given you a better answer, but it's a really difficult one. Yeah, yeah, it is. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of nuance there and subjectivity. But anyway, uh, Rowan and I will talk about some of the more interesting news from around the league. And it's all centered around the ATL here in the next segment on Locked on Heat. Oh, hey, Rowan, by any chance, do you happen to know how much they spent online to bet on table tennis in the state of Colorado last year? No, <laughs> $64 million on table tennis in the state of Colorado alone. 
And that's why if you're looking to place a wager, there's only one place that has you covered and one place that has our trust as a network, and that's betonline.ag. Of course, with the Super Bowl coming up, NBA games still going on, and maybe even an all-star game down the road, you want to make sure that you sign up today and get a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKDOWN so you get a 50% welcome bonus, whether it's the NFL, NBA, or even table tennis. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Make a little money, get in on the action, and don't forget to use that promo code LOCKDOWN to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts just a reminder they can always reach me via email at lockdownheat at gmail.com or via twitter using the hashtag ask heat be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review Rowan, I don't want to waste too much more of your time here. Although, as always, I am very grateful for you taking the time to be on the show. But there are some things going on. Uh, most notably, I think what everybody's really focused on right now is courtside Karen. <laughs> courtside what are your, Karen. What are your thoughts on on a LeBron, the MVP, taking uh, taking it to courtside Karen there? Because I just I, I, everything that we're seeing from this, and there are no details just yet. She's issued an apology about taking her mask down to use some some vulgar expressions there when she was attacking LeBron. But, I mean, we've been to enough games where we know what these fans are like, and I am I am not a big fan of the trash talking, and certainly not when there's only a couple hundred or thousand fans in the Atlanta arena there, uh, especially when you're sitting courtside. I don't think you should be allowed to be yelling at LeBron James the way that these two fans were. It's interesting because I, I do think that every now and then, I think – I wouldn't say pl- players get a little like remember Dwayne Wade in the purple shirt guy. Sure. Of course. I, I bet Dwayne Wade on some level, he enjoys the purple shirt guy. He enjoys the theater of it. They like the villains. They like being able to go back and forth a little bit, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I do think that there is, I do think that the players enjoy it on some level. It just kind of adds to the experience. Like they get to shut, uh, shut people up and, and stuff like that. So you know, I, I I don't think that there should be no trash talk from fans. There's obviously lines that you shouldn't cross, uh, you know, but if you get on a player for missing a shot and, and they hit a shot and they want to say something back to you, I think that's within the bounds and it's fun and, and you laugh about it on the way home and, you know, that's that. You know, it sounds like these people were crossing the line. I, yes. I, I Have there been videos that have come out about what exactly they were saying to each other? I I heard LeBron called him the old guy, an old steroid ass or something yes, like that. Yes, which is great. And I'm going to incorporate that as often <laughs> yes. as possible. I, I have not seen all the, uh, you know, I'm sure some, there's been some information about what was being said exactly. I just haven't looked into it too much. My big thing is if it, it's the, the bad look for the NBA is you cannot have, even if LeBron is saying he didn't necessarily feel unsafe, you can't have people pulling down their masks at arenas. And you certainly cannot have them pulling down their masks to, to top trash. Right. And, and I think that's a big takeaway from all this is why are those fans doing courtside? Like, I mean, considering all the health right. and safety I mean, protocols. You don't even see people in the first row at NFL stadiums. Yeah, it is unbelievable. That seems like an unnecessary risk. Uh, I look, I, I just wrote about, as I mentioned before, what the heat is doing. And I, I'm not feeling 100% about that. Uh, yeah, I think it's an unnecessary risk as well. Uh, although the COVID dogs are if not necessarily proven an additional measure to, to ensure your safety. So I'll leave it at that. But as far as sitting courtside and look, that's, that's the issue for me is that yeah, old steroid ass has a sense of entitlement. Like even before I saw that he had used that terminology, I described it to my wife as being equal parts steroids and cocaine because the guy just <laughs> looks like he is just so he's a volatile mix of emotions there. So you get money, you get entitlement, you get a certain amount of alcohol, which they should not be selling. They're not selling those at the American Airlines Arena. I can't imagine sitting there in the Phillips Center. I think that's what it's called in Atlanta and, and not, you know, drinking courtside and not wanting to yell at LeBron James. But all that is so volatile and combustible. And then you start to get people where they cross the line, which is, yeah, it's one thing to have trash talking. It's another thing when you have rich white people sitting on the sideline getting drunk and yelling at, at professional black athletes. And I, I feel like this is a really dangerous line. I've always had an issue with it. One of the things I liked most about the bubbles was, uh, you know, the fact that they were able to push the stanchion back a little bit and create a little bit more space there and keep some of those that, you know, have 
players have a little bit more safety when it comes to running the floor and things of that sort, not having people inches away from the baseline and the sidelines. And I, I don't, you know, here, especially when you're trying to maintain physical distancing and you're having, you still have that element involved there. I think it's a really bad look from the league. Yeah. You know, it's uh it'll blow over, you know, certainly, sure. but I, I think that the biggest thing that they, an easy fix, you know, when they come out today that they're going to enforce players from yeah. doing handshakes and mask wearing on the bench, you know, make sure you're, you're making teams and enforce that in their arenas as well. Right. Uh, I, I hope that aspect of it doesn't get lost for sure. You know, I like the sideline interactions. I like that fans are uh, up close to the game. And for the most part, I think they don't cross the line. And I, like I said, I do think a lot of players have fun with it. Uh, a lot of players like LeBron has a good sense of humor about it. Uh, like when he, you know, hears a Cavs co-owner cheering a little too loudly. Uh, I, I think that it, it can be weaved into the fabric of the game into a nice way. But obviously what happened in Atlanta, uh, cross the line and, and wear a mask indoors at all times. Yes, yes. Uh, even one of the photos that I used in my piece about the COVID sniffing dogs showed a, a group of, I think, three uh, young women and a man uh, taking a selfie. And one of the women was without a mask, which is, of course, a major no-no in the American Airlines arena and something you shouldn't be doing anywhere. But uh, that's a whole other issue. Look, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to go into it too much, but I, I just I, I can't agree with you there. I, I don't like that interaction at all. I think it's just it's too much for these fans. And, and I kind of disagree with you as well that I don't think that mostly they stay in line. I don't think we really see them too often because you're you're so focused on the on-court activity, even when you're covering the games up close. I, I think we don't hear all the interaction, but I think it just goes too far. You get people like even that guy who was flicking off Russell Westbrook all, all you know so many years ago and Mitt uh, Romney? Purple, you mean that guy? <laughs> purple <laughs> shirt guy, etc. Just so many different fans. I mean the racists in Denver and Utah. That's I don't know. I, I, I would much rather see basketball being played with fans many, 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 many feet away rather than being so up close to the players where they can interact with them like that. But uh, let's move on because we could probably debate this for hours. The All-Star Game being proposed for March 7th. Uh, players will be brought into Atlanta where TNT has their studios, of course, and they'll be tested regularly while they're there. An aspect of this will be uh, that they'll be devoting whatever money they make uh, or generate uh, towards uh, historically black colleges and universities. That's all great. But it also seems like they're talking about having a slam dunk contest or a three point shootout or something along those lines on top of a game that I feel nobody really gives a damn about. And I have no idea what the league is doing here. So help provide some clarity here, because, I mean, I've covered the event. I, I met you there a couple of years ago in Charlotte. Uh, that was the first time I saw you in person. Actually, no, that's not a mistake. One time I saw you in the bowels of the American Airlines arena, but I didn't know you at that point in time. I, I recognized your avatar from uh, from Twitter, but I didn't uh, go up. And, and Wow, and, truth coming out. I didn't know about this. And Yeah, I, I just saw you like in the distance there. You were wandering around. You were probably, you know, doing your job as you often do. And uh, I didn't feel comfortable just going up to you. I don't think you were actually even following me at that point. So this was a couple of years ago. <laughs> Wow. All right. I'm glad I know about this uh, interaction. Anyway, uh, I've devolved completely here. As far as the all-star game, huge risk. I think it's a mostly pointless game. Uh, I don't think the fan experience is really all that important. I I don't know that anybody watches the all-star game. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong here, but is this something the league should be looking into? No, obviously not. Okay, because uh, I mean, I feel like that's everybody, every heat, or, or I'm sorry, every NBA media person feels this way, and yet the league is, oh, no, no, we're going to do it anyway, and the Players Association is totally behind us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Let, let's make that clear, because I do think that the, it's important to know that the Players Association is trying to make this happen as well. You know, it sounds like they think uh, they can make it work because they're going to, you know, have a charitable component to it or whatever, and I understand why the, the players would want to get behind that but i i think i'm i'm with you in that this is a incredibly short-sighted idea the optics of it doing it during the pandemic are not good I, i'm sure that there's a way they can figure out to do it safely but does that mean you should no i don't think so i, I just don't think it's a good idea and the fact that you have so many games to make up because games yeah. have been postponed right due to the pandemic and you're going to try to have a an all-star exhibition in the middle of it. It's just, what are your priorities? I mean, we know what they are and, and you're not even necessarily running away from what they are. It's to make money. It's to make back as much money as possible, but 
it's definitely not a good look. And I, I don't, I don't know anyone who wants it. I haven't even heard fans clamoring for it. So I, it, it makes very little sense to me. Yeah. How, how are they going to generate money for this? Just advertising for one night of basketball or, or as a couple nights, if they somehow tie in other, you know, peripheral events and things of that sort, but it's not, it's not the spectacle that the all-star weekend always is where parties are playing out and the local economy gets this huge boost from hundreds of people visiting the city and things of that sort. It's, I just don't know what, I don't know who's going to benefit from this other than the league. And I just don't even know how they're going to benefit either. Great, great point. That's a great point. It's not even that they stand to make money in all the traditional ways and help out a city in all the traditional ways uh, that they normally do. So I, that's a a great point. I, I really am not sure. There's going to be something, as we both know, they'll come up with something as a way to make money or whatever. And, yeah. you know, last year's game was obviously a lot of fun with the Elam ending and, and all those yes. things. But, yeah, it is uh, – I don't know anyone who wants it or anyone who thinks it's a good idea. Well, before we wrap it up, uh, one last opportunity to le- let my listeners know if there's anything you're working on other than signing up to SI's premium subscription service, uh, anything that they should be on the lookout for in the future? Uh, I'm going to have a story in the next magazine. Uh, it is about – a very popular role player in the NBA. That's all I'll say for right now, but uh, be on the lookout for that in the next couple of weeks. I think it's going to be a fun one. And uh, otherwise, yeah, that's about it. Uh, subscribe to SI. We'd really appreciate it. There's going to be a lot of great stories uh, coming uh, for the foreseeable future. And, and we're excited about all of them. Excellent. Well, March Madness is just a few months away, but the future of the NBA is on display right now. Get a head start on next year's draft analysis by subscribing to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Draft guru Chad Ford has his first big board of the year, and it's out with profiles of Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and more. Subscribe to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast wherever you get podcasts. Make sure to get your team every day just by asking your smart device to play Locked on Heat. I'm David Ramil on behalf of Rowan Dark Carney, signing off and thanking you as always for your support.